Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. You're listening to a special 2022 midterm elections episode of KUNC's Colorado Edition. Welcome back. I'm State House reporter Lucas Brady Woods. It's Friday, October 28th. Voting is underway here in Colorado. Ballots are due on Election Day by 7 p.m. As a reminder, Election Day is November 8th, which is less than two weeks away. Over the last few weeks on Colorado Edition, we've heard from the candidates running for U.S. Senate and for the governor's office. On today's episode, we'll be covering the race for Colorado Attorney General. Democrat Phil Weiser is campaigning for re-election against Republican challenger John Kellner. But first, we're diving into one of the 11 ballot measures facing voters, Proposition FF. If approved, Proposition FF would raise the money needed to provide free school lunches at all public schools in Colorado. I looked into the proposition's potential impacts and found it could have ripple effects beyond school cafeterias. Lupita Cardosa has seven kids in the Boulder Valley School District, ranging from elementary school all the way up to high school. For her, providing regular healthy meals for each of them is a major priority. I think of it as a student right. And as their parents, we have to take care of the students. School is our children's second home. But making sure that happens can be a challenge, especially at school. During the pandemic, schools offered free lunches, but that program stopped at the beginning of this year. Now families have to pay for meals once again. Some can qualify for free or reduced price lunches depending on their income level. Cardosa's family qualifies, for example. But stigma sometimes gets in their way of taking advantage of it. My daughter receives free lunch, but she's afraid to get lunch because she thinks her friends will laugh. Cardosa says that means her daughter comes home hungry some days. Imagine the consequences when a kid doesn't eat at school. I believe food is for everyone. Kids shouldn't be suffering over food. Eliminating stigma and burdens over food insecurity are behind her support of Proposition FF, which is on the ballot in the upcoming midterm election. Prop FF would create new funding for school lunches by adding a tax on Coloradans who make over $300,000 per year. If it passes, it would provide free lunches at all public schools across the state. There's also urgency behind the ballot measure because food insecurity spiked during the pandemic. The group Hunger Free Colorado found that two out of five kids in Colorado are now food insecure. Ashley Wheeland is the group's public policy director. And it's not just hunger, but it's food insecurity that you can't afford healthy food. You can't afford food that's nourishing for your body. You have to, um, you know, cut corners, go junk food, whatever, you know, to survive. She says the existing free and reduced price lunch program isn't working. Only 40 percent of kids who qualify actually participate in it, largely because of stigma. Are they going to have to get in line and everyone's going to know they're the free and reduced lunch kid? Or they owe money to the school for meals? Or is someone going to remind them of that in the lunch line? That stress makes some kids decide it's better to just wait until after school to try to find something to eat. And when kids go hungry, there are ripple effects. It impacts their behavior and their ability to learn. Danielle Bach is head of nutrition services in the Greeley-Evans School District. She says teachers sometimes spend their own money to feed students. Our teachers want to see their students thrive and they're they're buying snacks they're buying food 
Greeley is the only district in the state that already provides free lunch for all its students. And Bach has seen firsthand the difference it can make. Some opponents to Proposition FF say providing free school lunches will give benefits to wealthy students who don't need them. They say funding should be used in more targeted ways, like for certain academic programs. But Bach says it's great if all kids utilize free lunches. What we know for certain is that when all students are eating together, all students are succeeding more. So not dividing our students into the haves and the have-nots is hands down the best way to ensure that our students are nourished and therefore capable of learning. She also says they already have clear evidence that providing free meals to students does effectively eliminate school meal stigma. We saw during the pandemic um, when we were operating under those waivers and feeding all students, um, we saw it absolutely disappear literally overnight. Um, My colleagues and I still are astounded by this because we all believed that it would take decades. Lupita Cardosa, back in the Boulder Valley School District, says Prop FF will make a big difference in her family's life. If this proposition passes, it would mean security for my family more than anything. If not, there won't be equity. And with that security, she says her family and her kids can focus on what's important, their education. To learn more about this story and read more about the election, just head to KUNC.org. Our election coverage is also available in Spanish. Now let's turn to the attorney general's race. Colorado voters are deciding this election whether to keep incumbent candidate Phil Weiser in the state attorney general seat or bring in challenger John Kellner. KUNC's Bo Baker spoke with Attorney General Weiser about what he's been doing on the job. Their conversation begins with how the state is distributing opioid settlement funds to help stem a major drug crisis. Your office created this framework to fund addiction treatment, recovery, and prevention programs around the state. Can you talk more about why the framework was created and how it works with local governments and regions? The local leaders are getting 90 percent of the funds. We've only kept 10 percent of the state level for some issues of statewide concern, like building more workforce, education and awareness. But really, 90 percent is going to the local level to build the services that are needed. Every single local regional collaborative makes their own decisions. They've got their own boards. Our job is to help support them all, help them learn from one another, because we are in such a deep hole right now with this crisis. We've got a ton of work to do. Can you give us some specifics about how these local entities will be using these funds to help people struggling with addiction? What does that look like? Let me take the San Luis Valley. They don't have any drug treatment facility in the valley. Because of the money that's going to come from this framework, they are planning and developing a drug treatment facility in the valley. They will develop more drug recovery programs like peer coaches or other ways to support people who are in recovery. They're going to have more youth awareness efforts to help get the message out, particularly with fentanyl now being packaged as this counterfeit drug, one pill can kill. We need people to realize how dangerous it is. Um, We need to make sure we support law enforcement efforts like having co-responder programs so that someone goes out trained to address someone who's struggling with addiction as opposed to asking police officers to go into that situation when they may not be trained. So there's a lot of different options. Unfortunately, the money from all these settlements – 500 million, 520 million counting, that's not enough to address this crisis. We need other sources of funds that we can add to this work. We have to stay vigilant. 
You recently announced a redesign of police academy training across the state with a focus on emotional wellness and officer mental health. Could you explain a little more about the idea behind that focus? If we can't help officers deal with the trauma they're going to see on the job, they're not going to do the job as well. They're not going to stay in the job as long, and their lives are going to be worse. So we have to really focus on this area in a few different ways. One is, as you mentioned, we're redesigning the whole curriculum. Someone's become a law enforcement officer. We're going to now put wellness, emotional awareness, and empathy for others as core concepts they are going to be developing. Second, we're doing this program called ABLE, which is Active Bystander in Law Enforcement. This is to make sure that people are supporting one another, checking in. Are you okay? Was that a tough scene? Do you want to sit this next one out? Or, hey, you're getting a little bit over uh, escalated in the situation. Maybe you need to step aside for a minute. That's a very important skill set we need to help officers have. And then finally, really inspired by what's happening in Fort Collins, they've got a full-time psychologist to support their law enforcement officers. I want every single jurisdiction to have access to mental health services. So I fought for $3 million to support that in the legislature this last year. Per and polyfluoral alkyl substances are used in countless consumer products. Environmental advocates have been raising the alarm over how these chemicals are contaminating water sources. Are you concerned about PFAS in Colorado's drinking water? Yes. That's why I'm suing the manufacturers. The scary thing is we don't know fully all the public health harms. We, we know some. The EPA has been now working to basically create some standards for what is safe and what is unsafe. And based on that initial work, we know that parts of Colorado have real issues. It gets in the water supply. And unlike some other chemicals, it never breaks down. It's, it's so-called forever chemicals. So the PFAS lawsuits are to bring my money to address the harm. That's a core job of the attorney general, to protect the people of Colorado, take on wrongdoers, and to remedy wrongdoing. Consumer protection is an area of focus for you. What actions is your office taking to help prevent consumers and businesses from becoming victims of crimes? There are two basic objectives here. One is how do we educate the public? Because unlike when I was growing up, there are so many more opportunities for frauds and scams. People can get these robocalls that can look like they're coming from the local public health department, but it's a scammer. People may see a social media post that's enticing, and there's all sorts of scams, including online dating scams that, particularly for older Coloradans, is a big risk. When we hear about frauds, and people can report them to stopfraudcolorado.gov, we take action wherever we can. And what I can say to Coloradans is over the last four years, we've brought back $230 million to Colorado consumers from companies like CenturyLink, which had a price lock guarantee. They told people, your prices are locked, but then they kept increasing this fee. We called them on it. We got $8 million back. Wells Fargo, we got $9.5 million back. TurboTax, $2.5 million back. We're not afraid to take on any company, large or small, and we can always use your help. You're running for re-election. Why do you think you deserve another term in the AG role? The basic message I have is we have a record of accomplishments and we have more work to do. When you think about civil rights work, we talked about the pattern and practice work. We got new authority for a fair housing unit. We also have a new new workers' rights unit. When you talk about the work doing consumer protection, we're suing Google. We're investigating Instagram. 
and TikTok for harming kids' mental health by how they operate their platforms, the work that you mentioned about PFAS and protecting our land, air, and water, particularly managing our water, is crucially important. Protecting our elections is an area that I'm really worried about. The concerns around January 6th, unfortunately, are not in the past. We've got to stay vigilant. Obviously, protecting reproductive rights after the Dobbs decision that I am just so heartbroken by. We fought hard to protect Roe versus Wade. We'll fight hard to protect the Reproductive Health Equity Act here in Colorado. Um, and then public safety. We talked about this work on improving policing. We fought for some laws to go after fentanyl trafficking as well as catalytic converter and retail theft. We're working closely with a lot of DAs, including the ones up here in northern Colorado. This is a robust agenda we have, and we're really only part of the way through it. When you aren't doing all of this for the office, uh, what do you like to do with your time here in Colorado? Well, I am a big sports fan, and the Nuggets are right now, honestly, uh, one of the all-time exciting basketball teams to watch because Nikola Jokic is such an extraordinary player. Uh, I'm a big fan of how much great TV we have on right now, so I'm watching Stranger Things um, with my family. Honestly, there's so much good TV out there, we can't watch it all. Um, I'm a reader. I still read with both my kids. Uh, It's important to me to make time for my family and for pursuits that matter. That was Colorado Attorney General Phil Weiser speaking with KUNC's Bo Baker. KUNC reached out to Republican candidate John Kellner several times, but did not hear back. Kellner currently serves as district attorney for the 8th Judicial District, which includes Arapahoe, Douglas, Elbert, and Lincoln counties. His platform centers largely around public safety and cracking down on crime. If he's elected, he wants to use the attorney general's office to deal with high rates of fentanyl misuse, violent crime, and car theft. He plans to do that by increased use of the statewide grand jury system. He's also a supporter of recently passed legislation that increased penalties for fentanyl possession. Kellner also supports the U.S. Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. He says it's right to leave the issue of abortion to states as opposed to the federal government. But he also says he will uphold abortion access in Colorado because it's codified in state law. He does not support a federal abortion ban. Kellner has also rejected claims that the 2020 presidential election was fraudulent and has said that former President Donald Trump holds some responsibility for the violence at the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. That's all for today on Colorado Edition. Thanks for listening to a special 2022 midterm elections episode. Join us for another special episode next week, hosted by my colleague Scott Franz. You don't want to miss that one. Make sure to subscribe to the Colorado Edition podcast on your favorite podcast app. Our theme music is composed by Colorado musicians Brianna Harris and Johnny Burroughs. Other music in the show is by Blue Dot Sessions. I'm Lucas Brady-Woods. Have a great weekend.